did you uh, feel disillusioned in the military or with it or you must have joined freely in the beginning yeah I mean I joined when I was 19 you don't really know anything about war you know just just being uh, naive about the whole mm -hmm. process As soldiers, you're not allowed to question what's going on, but, you know, I mean, we talk, you know, yeah. all the time. You know, what are we doing? I mean, we're not there to think about that, but, you know, if you can't get behind a mission and know what you're doing 100%, you know, that causes confusion. And I think that's where a lot of the uh, moral injury comes from. Mm -hmm. um, the, the trouble processing this stuff is because if you don't have a clear cut mission, then what are we doing? Yes. Welcome to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. Welcome back again. Sure, it's always lovely to have you. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne, and that clip you just heard there was from the Emmy-nominated documentary Almost Sunrise, about the epic 2,700-mile journey of healing for U.S. combat veteran Tom Foss. That was Tom in the documentary talking about his war experiences and his reflections on his moral injuries. We'll get to my interview with Tom and his sister in a moment. Tom Foss served as an infantry scout in the 3rd Battalion, 21st Infantry Regiment's Scout Sniper Platoon. While deployed in Mosul, Iraq, he participated in hundreds of combat and humanitarian missions. And Tom and his sister are co-authors on a new book, from New World Library titled Where War Ends, A Combat Veteran's 2,700 Mile Journey to Heal, Recovering from PTSD, Post Traumatic Stress Syndrome, and Moral Injury Through Meditation. The book is a thumping great read. Marvellous. Go out and get a copy. Now, why is it called Where War Ends? According to an interview earlier by the co-authors, they said this should be the foremost question that we need to be talking about today. It impacts every aspect of our lives, the environment, immigration and displaced peoples, communities all over the world and religious extremism. How can we stop warring? They believe that the answer is to cultivate peace within ourselves first. If we want to save the planet and the human race, we cannot harbour hate in our hearts for any being on this planet. Tom Foss is unique, inspiring and a great American. He was raised Catholic, seemed to drift away from his faith as a young man and later in life he reflects on that in this interview. And his answer to my question, is he religious? is both fascinating 
interesting and inspiring. Stay tuned. A voyage of discovery in an uncommon age of unparalleled scientific, economic, political, and social upheaval, life on planet Earth searches for the unvarnished truth, answers, solutions, and above all, hope for our existential crisis. The story of U.S. combat veteran Tom Foss is truly extraordinary. He is the co-author with his sister Rebecca Gwen of Where War Ends, a combat veteran's 2,700 mile journey to heal, recovering from PTSD and moral injury through meditation. That journey was across America where the outpouring of love and affection inspired Tom, obviously, by the tone of this book. I caught up with Tom and Rebecca as they were out promoting the book just out now and published by New World Library. Get your copy. It's a great read. I first asked Tom what brought the book about and why did they write it? The reason why I wrote the book is because, as you know, a lot of veterans are, are, are struggling right now. I think the numbers are uh, around 20 veterans a day are, are taking their own lives. And um, I, I almost ended up being one of those numbers. So um, for me to be able to share my experience and share my story, um, to, to let other veterans know that there are other veterans out there who are going through the same thing. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, I was able to, to come through and come out the other side uh, with, with uh, practical tools to be able to help manage uh, a lot of the uh, stressors from war. I, I deployed from 2004 to 2005, and I deployed to Mosul, Iraq, as an infantry soldier. And what was your experience there? What did you see? What's your recollections? So I was uh, I was 19 when I joined the military, 20 when I deployed. Um, so when we got there, that was kind of the height of the fighting that uh, took place in uh, in Mosul. Um, so my platoon sergeant was killed in action, one of our squad leaders was killed in action, and that had a very deep, uh, profound impact on me. And on top of that, I was, uh, uh, I took shrapnel to the head and got knocked unconscious, and, and you know, all the things that, that war has to offer, I experienced. Um, so fortunately for me, um, I, I got out as soon as I got back from my deployment, and then that's when I, I started having a, a lot of issues. Um, connecting with people, uh, maintaining relationships uh, with my family and friends, and uh, the wheels slowly started to fall off. And uh, you know, eventually, I got to the point of of contemplating taking my own life. And uh, I got to the point where uh, I felt that if I was going to go through with with taking my own life, I had to actually put in some uh, effort to really try to heal myself first. So I wanted to give it kind of a you know, one last go, and and to do that, I know no knew I needed to do something pretty extreme, and that's where the uh, trucks across the country came from. So your injuries were moral, psychological injuries as opposed to physical injuries. Yes, yes, it, it was a lot of uh, uh, survivor's guilt. You know, asking questions like, um, you know, why did my friends die, and why am I still alive? Um, you know, can I be forgiven for the things that I experienced and saw and participated in? Uh, were we justified in what we were doing there? So these are a lot of the questions I ended up asking myself years later after I got out of the war. Um, and, you know, seeing things happen like um, um, ISIS taking over Mosul and, you know, asking myself, you know, what was it all for? So these, these 
questions, you know, these deep wounds that end up happening, um, they don't they don't go away with medication. And, you know, and uh, unfortunately, um, I think a lot of veterans are being treated for post traumatic stress when they're really uh, struggling with the moral questions of war. Is it difficult uh, talking about the events in Iraq even today? I mean, it's still it's still pretty raw. I mean, I mean, watching things unfold, watching you know our troops being pulled pulled out of northern Syria. Uh, I mean, we worked with the Kurdish uh, forces there, and and they're very, uh, um, you know, they're they were like uh, our, our, our brothers in arms. You know, they were our allies, so we we took that very seriously. You know, they're helping us. Uh, we helped them as much as possible. So uh, to see the things you know that are unfolding today are, are a little unsettling, and it it, it uh, you know, I mean, those those folks have families too. You know, and they're 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 fighting for their lives right now, and we're not we're not there to support them. And that's a view shared by many in the military military families and many Americans. Yes, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the book which you co-wrote with your sister Rebecca, uh, who's on the line. Uh, where are you today on the road promoting your new book? Today we're in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area, and Tom has a series of events at LPL Financial, mm-hmm. um, and we're meeting with the veterans groups here, and he's doing a keynote, and we're doing a book signing, and he's teaching some yoga and meditation classes for veterans. It started as a conversation probably 10 years ago, and it was sort of an opening away for Tom, and I, Tom to start sharing some of his experiences of war with, with me, um, sort of the the mechanism of the book allowed us, allowed me to start interviewing him and him to start answering questions, and it, it just gave us a way to start having some of these conversations that we hadn't had before. Um, the process was, it was really interesting, so it was a lot of interviewing, a lot of phone calls, a lot of video chat, a lot of just talking and asking, and um, it was, Tom was really, really brave because in order to, you know, yeah, I had to be a little bit journalistic, and I had to sort of poke into areas where I wanted more detail, and, you know, those are probably the most painful areas, the areas that he probably least wanted to talk about. So, luckily for me, he was very, very open in revisiting these traumatic experiences, both that he experienced both during combat and after he came home. I do have a background in, in writing, and I, in my in my day job, I'm a digital content strategist, so I have a background in, in copywriting and, and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done ghostwriting and nonfiction and travel writing as well, but this is this is my first uh, first attempt at, at memoir, and and for it to be someone else's memoir added a, a, an extra challenge too. So, Tom, you're known as the meditating vet. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. What, what kind of, how does that work? What's the technique? And then also, this all sprung out uh, with your 2,700-mile journey across America, walking from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to the Pacific Ocean with a Velo veteran. Yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, his name is Anthony Anderson, and... Uh, we, we set out um, on that track. It ended up being uh, five months, um, seven states, um, and over 155 days, I, I believe it was. And uh, through that process, we were kind of exposed to uh, meditation. And, and at that point, um, I had gone through the, um, the, uh, the array of different uh, offerings at the VA that, that they had at the time. And a lot of that um, I didn't feel was uh, getting to the root cause of why I was feeling the way I was. Um, so I was on medications for a while, and I ended up uh, taking myself off because 
Um, I felt that I was just continuing to numb myself more and more. Um, and I it got to the point of where I didn't even feel you know, really human anymore, that I couldn't even feel emotions, uh, period. Uh-huh. Um, so I ended up uh, moving away from that and trying to look at more holistic practices that um, were outside of my uh, comfort zone. So obviously at that time, you know, coming out of the infantry and uh, meditation and yoga was one of those things that, you know, you never would have called me dead uh, in a yoga class or anything like that. But I was uh, to the point of, you know, I don't care, you know, what the optics are of it. I want to feel better. I want to, not, you know, heal these, these wounds and I want to uh, make sense of, of my experience in combat. And uh, when I went through... Um, the first meditation workshop, uh, which is uh, the, the meditation is, is called Sahaj Samadhi Meditation. It's out of uh, southern India. Um, again, another another uh, experience that would have uh, made me uncomfortable before. Uh, but just trying to experience these new things uh, really opened me up to uh, the, the, the possibility of healing. And, and fortunately for me, um, going through these uh meditation classes and, and these different workshops around meditation and yoga, um, I was able to find uh, relief for the first time, and at that time was 10 years. Um, so once you have that, once you have something that can give you relief from suffering, um, I just kind of doubled down on it. I'm like, I'm going to explore this as much as possible, uh, because this is something that makes me feel better, um, and that's the first time that I had felt that way in over 10 years. Yeah, so I ended up taking myself off medications um kind of cold turkey, which I don't really recommend <laughs> because there's, mm. you know, adverse side, side effects to that. Um, but um, I, I ended up uh, leaning on meditation and um, started uh, just educating myself on all the different types and, you know, what, what finding out what resonated with me. Um, so by doing that, I knew that um, it was going to be a challenging road because, you know, you go anything, um, you know, without kind of Western medicine or, or doctor support or anything like that. It's extremely challenging. But what I did find is that um, it kind of uh, runs parallel with the military because it's, it's adding the discipline into your life. And that was something I had kind of thrown away um, in my military experience. So, you know, in the military, you're forced to get up in the morning, do exercise and all the things that go along with that. So when I got back and out of the military, it was more of I, wanted, I threw everything out um, along with the discipline, which which has a lot of value. Um, so adding meditation into my life added a discipline practice back into my life, which I think really helped um, help me heal. And and having that um, that schedule of meditation every morning to start my day. Your walk is documented in the Emmy nominated film Almost Sunrise. So just in contact, what year was that? Did the walk? Yeah, so we left from Milwaukee, Wisconsin in uh, uh, late August of 2013 and uh, finished Febu- early February of 2014. Um, and then the documentary was uh, uh, premiered at Mountain Film Festival in Telluride, Colorado in 2016. Um, so a lot of this, um, you know, that the height of my struggle was kind of captured in this documentary and uh, actually they followed me through my first meditation workshop which was a, a pretty uncomfortable experience not having experienced it uh, before but it, but it ended up being uh, great for the documentary so what did you experience along your walk and how were you greeted by people on the street yeah so we really uh, had a had a, a really extremely positive experience and i think one of the challenges that veterans face today 
is the issue of trust. Um, you know, we don't have the luxury of trusting people in a combat zone, you know, outside of the people that you serve with. It's, it's just something that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, so some, I think some people come back with that mentality of, um, you know, not trusting anyone that doesn't have that experience of war. And that was something that Anthony and I kind of experienced as well. But by being able to walk across the country and meet uh, people along the way, um, we were able kind of to, to restore some of that faith and trust in the, in the civilian side of things. And on, on their side, it uh, gave them an opportunity to be of service to us. And I think there are a lot of uh, civilians out there that want to help. They just don't have the outlet or the way uh, or, or know how that they can help. So this was an opportunity for them to kind of step up and be like, we're going to help these veterans get across the country um, and make sure that they, they, you know, fulfill their awareness campaign and we're going to help support them in any way that they can. Uh, and they ended up doing that, and that was really beneficial for us. So, you know, from uh, taking a step back and just understanding that, you know, is really a, a key in building trust uh, back in our communities and back in, in uh, our country after coming home for more. In 2017, 45,390 adults in the U.S. died by suicide, according to official data, and that included over 6,000 veterans. Now, that means the national suicide rate is 1.5 times higher for veterans than it is for non-veterans. And Rebecca can come in on this also. Why is that? Well, I think it's, um, there's a lot of factors to it. Um, but for me, my personal experience was that I was from Wisconsin, which is not an active duty state. So when I came home, I was suddenly felt so isolated because I didn't have anyone to share my experience with. Um, and on top of that, you know, uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD in 2008 and suffering from moral injury. So what ends up happening is you, you start to believe this kind of line in your head that uh, you're the only one that's experiencing this. No one else will understand. And you keep these experiences locked up tight. And I believe there's a, there's a reason why, at least why I did it, was because I felt like I was protecting my friends and family from the experience of war. Uh, when in reality, my friends and family, they really wanted to support me in my healing, um, but I was locked up tight. I didn't want to share my experiences because I didn't want them to have to hear or even, even try to uh, imagine um, what happens in a combat zone. So, Rebecca, writing this book, then, is important for veterans and their families? I think it's really important, and I think what we're hearing so far from those who've read the book already is, is mostly from mothers of veterans, sisters and brothers of veterans, children of veterans, who say, reading Tom's story helped me understand what my own family member was feeling but didn't feel comfortable sharing with me for the exact reason that Tom mentioned before, they want to protect their loved ones. They don't want their loved ones to have to suffer. And I think part of, you know, when we thank a veteran for their service, we're, we're not just thanking them for the actions they took during combat, but we're thanking for them for carrying the burden of those memories with them around every day as they go to work, as they go to school. There's so much that they're carrying. Um, and if we can do anything to help take some of that load off, I think we're going to see that those suicide numbers go down. Will veterans in a difficult situation psychologically gravitate? Will they buy into yoga and meditation? Will that be a hard sell? I think it can be challenging, but I think uh, a lot of veterans are getting to the point of where they just want to try to feel better, right? So then a lot of the stigma it kind of gets thrown out the window, 
and it's it's I think it's more challenging for uh, active duty service members uh, because they're within the culture of the military still, and there's a lot of stigma around uh, asking for help in the first place um, that needs uh, a lot of attention because you know we're we're in this um, you know coming from the infantry um, if you're seen as a weak link you're going to be replaced so there's you know job security is is a, is a huge uh, incentive and you don't want to let your your guys down, and that's you know something that that I experience is like you just have to you know kind of suck it up, move on, um, and you're going 24/7. So when you're in that environment, there's really no room for it, and you don't want to lose your job, and you don't want to let your friends down. So uh, asking for help kind of goes to the back burner. It's when you get out and you're on your own now, and you're back to civilian life, and you start struggling and having these challenges come up, and you feel like you don't have support, um, I think once you get to that point, you start really looking for, okay, what what can make me feel better, period? You know, I need to find something, um, whether it's the VA, whether it's, you know, seeing a therapist or meditation or yoga. I mean, there's so many different modalities out there now that are non-clinical that have uh, benefits to um, helping with uh, mental health issues and moral injury and post-traumatic stress. Are you a religious person? Um, I would say I'm more of a spiritual person. You know, I was, I was raised Catholic, and um, that had a lot, of do, lot to do with my, my challenges, and we kind of write about that in the book, um, about uh, grief and shame and guilt around doing these things. Uh, you know, when I was, you know, a lot of people have this instilled in them from a young age that it's not okay to take another person's life, right? And now I'm in a now I'm in a situation where I have no choice: kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I get out of the military, and now I'm like, okay, I violated that rule. Am I a good person anymore? And um, uh, this is something that that I that I really struggled with. And, uh, can I be forgiven? Um, was another another big question that came up for me uh, for the actions that I did. So, you know. Fortunately for me, I, you know, I found kind of my, my path in, in, in spirituality through meditation and yoga, which is um, something very personal to me and something mm-hmm. that I can make my own. And it doesn't have to be um, rigid rules that um, don't make sense to me, you know, things like that. Um, so I'm, I feel really grateful that, that I was able to find this and it's something that I can make my own um, that doesn't have to be, um, you know, followed by, by anyone else. It's a marvelous story. I ask you, are you religious? Because there are people of many faiths who meditate as part of their prayer life. Yes, and uh, that's the amazing thing too. In in the film Almost Sunrise, I got to meet uh, Father Thomas Keating, who is uh, one of the co-founders of uh, Centering Prayer, um, which is you know essentially meditation for for Catholics. And and he had great insight. Um, and uh, you know, for me, it's all you know, it all points to the to the same. Uh, source, um, you know, it's just whatever flavor your your resonates with you, and I and I mm-hmm. think that they're all they're all valid uh, to me. Um, so so being able to find that peace mm-hmm. um, with something that resonates with you is the most important part. It's not how you do it or um, the the path that you follow. Because some people would say, as a society and a culture, we don't pray as much as our previous generations. And I wonder does that explain some of the mental trauma? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can, I mean, for me personally, my my, my thought is, like, uh, again, with the military, I kind of threw that all that out, and then the same with my, my uh, Catholicism growing up, I kind of threw all that out, and now I'm revisiting all that and seeing how I can make that 
um, part of my healing uh, practice and, and prayer and meditation um, really go hand in hand. And it doesn't matter really what religion um, you are. It's uh-huh. very complementary to uh-huh. what you're doing. So, you know, the way that I see it is, is prayer is, is giving thanks or, or asking God for something, and meditation is listening, uh, deep listening. So you need a balance of both of those things, right? We can't always be asking uh, for something. We need to listen every once in a while, and, and that's what meditation does for me. It's my hope that this book can give people hope, uh, whether they've suffered trauma or they're close to someone who's suffered from extreme trauma. And it doesn't have to be from combat. It could be anything. Um, Tom often tells the story of a, of a friend of his. Um, her daughter was an addict and addicted to heroin, and they, they talked about her, her suffering from moral injury, knowing that our society views addiction with, with a certain amount of stigma, um, that it, it, every time she injected herself, it was something that she was doing that was wrong, but she's facing this addiction. And so I think moral injury can be experienced by anyone who, who's had their own moral scaffolding shaken and has, has had their own morality um, come, into, come into question by experiences that they've had in their life. So, so whether that's you, whether that's someone you love, I think everyone, everyone can gain some value out of Tom's story by seeing someone who is ready to end it all and now he's in a place where he's giving relief and hope to others. And so he has to have a really strong foundation to be able to offer that help. So he has come so far in such a short amount of time with something that is accessible to everyone, which I think is the most the most exciting thing about meditation and yoga. It's free. It's sitting there and breathing. And we can all do that. We can do it in the car. We can do it in our office. We can do it whether we have money or not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. It's universal. And, you know, we like to make things so complicated in this country. And this is something that is so simple and so powerful. So you lay all that out in the book, what you're talking about. I hope we do. Yeah, we try to. And I think I think what we it's really it's a memoir and it's told from Tom's perspective. And it's his story from that moment when he decided that he needed to make a change across the country, step by step. And then what happened once he reached the ocean? And I, I think in following him, him on that journey, we see that it's these, these simple things, and it's, a, it's a really a, stor- a story about taking responsibility for your own healing, not blaming anybody else for what you've been through, and not blaming yourself, and saying, when I'm ready to feel better, that's available to me through these different healing methodologies. Either of you, any thoughts on the opioid epidemic in America? Yeah, it's, it's, it's prevalent uh, in, the, in the veteran community as well. And um, I like to say you can look at the veteran uh, community and it's less than 1% of the population of the country, yet it, 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 um, it exhibits all the symptoms that we're facing in the country, you know, from uh, being, you know, the op- opioid crisis to um, substance abuse to homelessness. All this, all this is all happening within the veteran community. It's an extremely diverse community. Um, so... For the veteran, you know, a lot of my friends, because of either multiple deployments or just their military experience in general, you know, we have a lot of issues with pain, um, bad knees, bad back, hip, um, compressed spines, um, all this from, from service. So this ends up um, being challenging uh, to manage, right? And a lot of times in, in combat zones, you know, medics are going to give uh, soldiers what they need to be able to do their job. And, you know, either whether it's opioids or muscle relaxers or whatever it is, um, 
we have to be able to move through that stuff, and that's a slippery slope. Um, so when you get back and you're trying to, to manage these issues uh, from the deployment, um, it, it can end up with a, a opioid addiction. Uh, what would you say to veterans or family members who are having a hard time right now? Well, first of all, they're definitely not alone, and there are so many veterans who are experiencing this, and there's so many family members that are experiencing this. And one of the things that that um, that I always like to say is that um, family members and veterans, um, we need to be able to reach out and support each other. That's the one thing that we did really well in the military was when we're in a, a combat zone, we're there for each other no matter what. And that, unfortunately, doesn't happen after we leave service. Um, but we all took an oath, and, um, you know, I, I, I take that pretty seriously. So we really need to... Uh, unite again and pick each other up and make sure that we are okay. It just takes one phone call and, and even a text or even if you jump on Facebook and send a message uh, just to see how your buddies are doing, uh, just to see how a family member is doing if their loved one is deployed. Um, these little efforts, these, you know, reaching your hand out just to see if someone's okay um, might be the action that helps them through that day, you know, when they were contemplating taking their life or when they were... Um, you know, haven't left the house in 72 hours. These different things, just reaching out and making sure that, you know, your brothers and sisters are taken care of and that the family members are doing all right. So where war ends, a combat veteran's 2,700-mile journey to heal, recovering from PTSD and moral injury through meditation is out today. Where can people buy and get the book? Wherever books are sold. Okay, well, that's good enough advice. Um, and where is your next stop on your promotion tour? I'm, I'm heading back to, uh, I have a, a few events on, on the West Coast uh, in Santa Barbara, and then heading back to uh, my hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to do some more uh, book tour stuff. But I have all, all my events and everything up on uh, uh, my website, the uh, meditatingvet.com. Tom and Rebecca, thank you for your time. And Tom, thank you for serving America. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Life on Planet Earth with John Aiden Byrne. To reach the host or learn about advertising or sponsorship opportunities, call 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. That's 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com. 973-664-9460 in the U.S. or email burndesk at gmail.com.